Thanks for listening to the Roman Circus Podcast, a weekly dive into death-defying discussions of Catholic culture, tradition, and history. I'm Matt Baker, and with me, as always, is a very intelligent, wise, handsome, brilliant, spectacular, stupendous, amazing person, Zach Mabry. Zach, what's going on? Well, you forgot, of course, humble, uh, meek, and uh, you know, down-to-earth. Oh, yes, of course. Those are the very important ones. If you have any other adjectives that you would like to use to describe Zach, you can tweet us at Roman Circus Pod. I'm at Hey, it's Matt Baker. Zach will hopefully soon be back at Zach Mabry, Z A C Mabry. Email us podcast at romancircusblog.com. You can find us on iTunes. Rate and review us if you want. You can also find us on Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever there are podcasts. All right, Zach, it's been a whole week since we've done a podcast, and there's been a bunch of news, so why don't you just hit me with it? Well, um, yes, lots of news. People have probably noticed I've been a little stir-crazy in my uh, social media fast, and so I've been sneaking on to the, um, the podcast Twitter much more oh, than usual. Oh, no, we didn't notice. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, one thing that pops out is uh, I, I feel like we've gone into the wrong career being podcasters. Yes, um, career. I'm glad you called it a career, but go on. Kylie Jenner, the like youngest of the uh, of of Chris Jenner's offspring, mm-hmm. is on her way to be the world's youngest. They're calling self-made billionaire, right. and I think by that they just mean like she didn't inherit anything. Um, sure, which is interesting, just because I mean, obviously. I mean, we, we, you know, the backstory of that whole group is that Robert Kardashian was O.J. Simpson's attorney. O.J. Simpson was, you know, Kim Kardashian and Chloe's godfather. Um, right. Yada, yada. They become famous, you know, basically by living in a famous neighborhood and hanging out with famous people. Well, Kylie has this whole company that she started that sells cosmetics. And, okay, I don't really have a big problem with that. Um, right. What's wild is that her fans to try to help her make it to the actual 1 billion mark have started donating their own money via like a kickstarter yeah to I help saw that. push they, her over the edge they wanted to help her get the last what was it 100 million or something like that yeah we have the most worthless fans Matt. like <laughs> i've never like i've never been more disappointed in myself but also yeah. in my in in everybody that i know than seeing, you know, poor Kylie. I mean, what what an important cause. So I do hope right. that our fans are supporting Kylie uh, during this difficult time of need. Um, do do you know how a, she's a full doing? Billion dollars. Is she is she making it? Is are the fans getting to the hundred million? Who are these? If they make it, who are these fans? What is going on? What is happening? Is what are we doing here, Zach? That's the other question. Um, I don't know how much is in there currently. Um, I know that like Elon Musk, uh, they said had been sleeping on the floor of Tesla's factory. And so his fans raised $7,000. Now, again, we have a policy about not talking about how much we don't like Elon Musk. So, uh, but I I guess people are are just throwing in five bucks. Someone gave a hundred to Kylie. I don't know exactly where they are, but, uh, you know, basically... You know, a tweet here from Birdie said, Skipping my child support payments to help this fierce female become an iconic billionaire. I believe my daughters would support this if I were allowed to contact them. So that's um, a, an important person on Twitter talking about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, she does, Kylie Jenner does have a very prominent billboard in a very prominent location on the corner of La Cienega and Santa Monica out here in Los Angeles. It's uh, It's very noticeable and very in your face when you're on that corner which is a very busy corner she i don't know if she's like saw that early on in her life as a corner that you wanted to be on but she got it zach yeah you know sometimes you see a corner and you just think i want to be there yes um yeah so that's interesting and so we're definitely rooting for you kylie we're um we're not against anybody uh um, having a billion dollars, I'd I'd take a billion. I'd, I'd take a hundred million. 
Sure. Um, I'm also I'm for people being rich. And I'm also for fans of the rich person helping them to be even more rich. I really, you know. Now, why don't right. they can't they should at least buy makeup because then they'll get something back. I mean, right now they just have the satisfaction of watching Kylie become a billionaire. Like at least they can do that, but also get the cosmetics, you know? Right. Right. I mean, and, and some people could use, you know, they, they could use, um, you know, some cosmetics, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Just kidding. Um, you know, you see those people, uh, uh, no, just kidding. Um, no, of course, but modesty would dictate that, you know, a, a certain amount of well-applied makeup mm-hmm. is uh, definitely appropriate for a woman if that's what she chooses. Yes, yes, um, yes. So modesty is very important in terms of makeup, but not so much important in terms of a billion dollars. Continue. Yes. Um, so that's happening in the news, and that's certainly interesting. Um, now, there's other things in the news that are maybe not so uh, lighthearted and fun and I, we generally don't um spend a lot of time talking on about current events uh, in the church or or things going on in the hierarchy and whatnot because it's not really the purpose of of our podcast our podcast is about the catholic faith um sure. which was you know given to mankind by by jesus christ himself the the man who was god and right. uh so, you know, that's the main thrust of our podcast. It's not to sit and do, you know, news updates on, on Bishop so-and-so and, and Cardinal. What's his name? Um, right. But th- those are very good bishops and cardinals, but continue. Yes. But I, I think that right now sort of merits something we should address. And I hope that, that most Catholics who are who are online are, are coming to grips with the stories and talking about it. So, you know, the big news to come out recently is that Cardinal McCarrick... Um, a retired you know, uh, American cardinal had credible accusations of abuse lodged against him, and right. uh, he's been removed from public ministry uh, by the Vatican. Mm-hmm. And uh, since then, additional stories of abuse have broken. Um, the big one being with a a victim who's being identified just by his first name of James. Um, there's a write up in the failing New York Times. Thank you. Um, it's it's really not. It's hard to read, right? Um, because he goes into details, and you, you see, I, and I don't think I'd ever really thought of it, but you kind of see how much this abuse from this cardinal affected this person, James, uh, his life. Oh, of I mean course. everything from. You know, I mean, this cardinal went on to be the the person who officiated James's wedding. You know, is I I did not read this, so that's insane. That's wild, man. Right. I mean, we hear about these horrible things, and I mean, um, you know, I wasn't in the church when I was eleven, so I was safe from these monsters. But um, right, the, I guess you don't really hear that much about the victims, and I mean, it, it's just hard to imagine. Um, but what has been really inspiring to me has been seeing the response from um, Catholics who are in the media. So there have been great articles written that I recommend people check out. Um, the first one that I saw and that we tweeted out was Matthew uh, Walter, mm-hmm. The Catholic Church is a Cesspool. Um, the, the other one that was good was Michael Doherty, who we, who we like a lot. Um, yes. His article um, talks about the biological solution. And he's basically saying that, you know, there was this idea that once a certain generation of of clergy die out, which, you know, they will. Right. Because trust me, these people, they do not have the Immaculate Conception. Um, uh, they're affected by the fall, which we'll get to later with our real topic. Hey. Um, that somehow the church would just be this paradise because there are, and this is true, there are a lot of young clergy who are well-formed and um, orthodox and whatnot. The The problem is is that it is just, I mean, textbook superstition to think that, you know, bad people plus time equal good people, right? Time, time isn't magic. You know, it's the same thing we talk about with, you know, weird theories about the origin of the human species that, you know, you take hydrogen 
molecules plus a long time, and suddenly people evolve out of that. But um, right. basically, he does a good job explaining why this this idea that the church just magically becomes you know healthy again and and free of these scandals as people die out is a problem. And one of the reasons is that you know the church is self perpetuating. So you know cardinals like McCarrick pick you know they handpick their successors. Um, they're in the seminaries, you know, they, they run people off who don't want to play these games. Sure. And then, you know, they also, it creates a culture of silence where people are afraid, you know, they have a vocation and, you know, they have to sit there and debate for themselves. Do I, do I let this happen and not say anything? Do I keep quiet? You know, maybe I, I keep quiet and, and one day I come out, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a dilemma that I'm thankful to have never faced. Um, but you know it perpetuates, and so it, it doesn't. It is not something that just goes away. Well, that time. so that's and what, like it just it's a way to not actually face the problem, right? You sit, you'll say, oh, it's just it'll die out. We don't have to worry about it because there are a bunch of good young up and comers coming, which is true, by the way. But you don't actually face the problem. It's like a like saying you you have a lot of problems with your car but like there's a new type of gas that's coming out that's really going to you know help your engine well if you don't like look and see what's actually causing the troubles within your car your car's eventually going to continue to break down right um the other article I would recommend is one by JD Flynn that was run in Catholic News Agency Catholic News Agency um, is the sort of news wing of EWTN, um, not to be confused with Catholic News Service, which is um, part of the USCCB and, and very low quality. Um, but Catholic News Agency uh, ran this article, and it was very... Well, one, Catholic News Agency is very credible for the things they talk about, and they don't usually get into this business of criticizing members of the hierarchy. Um, but it talks about the sort of Dallas um, agreements that were reached. And so back in 2002, there was an assembly in Dallas basically to address this crisis because, you know, it had gotten out that there were all these scandals. And so the sure. bishops come together, the USCCB, to draft, um, you know, some new particular laws for the church in the United States. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he gives a good history of it. And, you know, one part of it that's just wild to me is uh, the fact that, so what it's called, the full name is, you know, the Essential Norms for Diocesan Policies Dealing with Allegations of Sexual Abuse of Minors by Priests or Deacons. Okay. And it's interesting that it it only refers to priests or deacons. Um, And not just interesting to me, but actually at the time, the Archbishop of Omaha, um, Eldon Curtis, basically said, well, why why don't we use the phrase clerics instead of just saying priests or deacons? And uh, the Bishop of Bridgepoint, Connecticut, William Laurie, will just kind of says, well, of course, cleric would cover all three. And by that, he means bishops, priests, and deacons. So we would not use the word cleric. So, you know, even at this convention, in the middle of the height of this controversy and this crisis, the bishops exempt themselves from these new rules that they put in place on handling the crisis. And, you know, that's just been kind of a, a scandal ever since. Um, and we can kind of see the the problem with that, right? I mean, really, what are they going to do with McCarrick? He's been removed from public ministry. Um, is is that really enough? I mean, I think that's interesting. I mean, so he's on a paid vacation, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, not well, really. We've had that in the diocese of Los Angeles out here with Cardinal Mahoney. Oh yeah, and I mean, all- he's still Cardinal Mahoney, isn't he? Um, I think so. I he so he he doesn't he doesn't celebrate mass or any of that stuff. He lives last time I know, last time I heard he lives out um, behind St. Charles Borromeo Parish in North Hollywood. Um, for a while there, he was still on the altar while mass was being celebrated, but then he was removed when. Um, yeah, so that's he, he's just kind of. He's just kind of hangs over the, you know, that area in the diocese of Los Angeles. He, it, he's very, he's not present, but the the 
you know the memories and that whole that whole ordeal are very much still present that cost the diocese a lot of money so well right so then that's the other thing is that um McCarrick it comes to light too has there have been settlements reached in two different dioceses with people who have come forward with abuse claims right and so well okay who wrote these checks from these dioceses and you're telling me that the bishop didn't know that that the money in his diocese was going towards these settlements and the successors of those dioceses i mean there are a lot of questions about who knew what and when and we're not really hearing much from the bishops right now it's not like the settlements were five dollars or a thousand dollars they were probably pretty substantial well, right, and that's why one of the suggestions that Matthew Walter made is that those settlements need to be made public, in you know, in the bulletin of every parish in the diocese, or not allowed. I mean, just say no. Like you need to take these things to trial, and let yeah. you know the justice system get involved. Here, um, but can here's kind of what I think it all gets to, and this it might sound dark but remember i was on an episode of the crunch entitled matt baker thanos in the catholic church so here we go um it all needs to come out and it it's going to be painful and it's going to be ugly and it's going to be brutal but it every last bit of it needs to come out in full right i'm not saying you release the names of the people who were abused by any means but i'm saying all the payments all the priests all of it it has to come out and it's not in we all have to accept that there will be fingers pointed at all of us as Catholics there will be people who will ask why we can still support a church that does all this knowing that it's not necessarily the church that does this but we for the for the good of like we we're saying the the future of the next few decades we have to be willing to take the brunt of all of it and right. It, just knowing that personally we did not do anything. We, none of us were in the position to do anything, right? But for the, for the good of the next 50 to 100 years, it has to all come out and we have to suffer through it. Right. Well, it's going to be bad. I mean, I, I, you, I can't sugarcoat that, that this story is from things that I have heard from people um, from priests that I've talked to one on one, from from stuff that you know people I know in Rome have talked about, there's a lot of stuff that goes on, and it's it's very shocking, and it will be shocking, and so I think it's important to have the right mindset. So, um, right, the one think... thing to remember. Sorry to interrupt. And I don't ahead. know if you were going to say this is the church will never die, right? Right. It, in theory could get down to four people in one town somewhere in Switzerland. You know, I'm just saying like in theory and it will never die. Right. Well, and that's the thing is that our Lord promised when he was on earth that the gates of hell would not prevail against the Catholic church. And, and he meant what he said in his promise that he, he, he knows everything. He's not learning anything. He hasn't forgotten anything. And so, you know, we don't have to worry that the gates of hell have somehow prevailed against the church. Um, And you have to think back to the crucifixion itself. You know, as our Lord was being crucified, focusing too much on on his body, on the bruises and the the broken bones and, and just, you know, our Lord's in his passion... Ten of the apostles, including the Pope Peter, ran away in fear. Um, the one who remained was St. John, and right. he was the closest to Our Lady. And so during these times um, where the church is taking a beating, um, staring too close at the wounds can cause you to want to leave the church or run away. I mean, it did to people who had just been consecrated bishops by Our Lord Himself merely hours before the crucifixion. So we, we can't pretend to be strong enough to, to stare this stuff down and not have our faith shaken. But we can learn from St. John and stay with Our Lady. Pray your rosary every day. Wear your scapular and do the de Montfort consecration, which we maybe could do an episode on. 
Mm -hmm. um, and stay close to Our Lady, especially during these times of crisis in the church, because I'm not, this isn't a guess. This is, this is for sure. It's going to get worse and it has to get worse before it can get better. This stuff is so entrenched with some of these people, you know, McCarrick didn't act alone. Right. We, I mean, in some ways we have to want, we have to want it to get worse too. Right. Because then it, we can't look at it as a, this weakens the church. It strengthens the church at the end of the day. If you get all of these fools out of there, right? Right. All well, these, the, yeah, completely, this all needs to come out. If they're, they're, these all, everyone's, these, com, they're completely twisted people and they need to, the more they're out, the stronger the church becomes. So this doesn't, yeah. doesn't make for a weaker church. In the end, it makes for a stronger one. And, and also, if you ever come across anyone who wants to give you a hard time for being Catholic, it's like well, you can agree with them about the state of the church, right? You Not necessarily the church being evil in itself, but the state of all these people. It's okay to say, no, this has to stop, and we need to get all of these people out in the open, right? So, right. I mean, and, you know, this time period— our Lady warned in several of her apparitions about how bad this time period was, and people were shaken to the core with the things she told them. And, you know, I think we're starting to see some of that come out. Um, right. And, you know, also in, in in the event that someone listening to this podcast has been a victim of one of these monsters, maybe at seminary or, you know, you're a priest or something, um, you know, get yourself help, but but come forward and make the accusation. There's... There are enough people now that will believe you and will support you if it's true. I mean, of course, it has to be true, but you know, now is the time to do that. And that's mm-hmm. that's been the one thing since this, you know, hashtag Me Too movement has started. Is I thought, you know, maybe now these these people that have been operating in secret in the church for so long, maybe their day has finally come that we're going to finally catch these people, um, and it, it, you know, we can finally address this and. It, you know, seeing the response from the journalist has just given me a lot of hope that this nastiness, which I think we were pretty well aware of with some of the things we'd heard, um, is finally, you know, going to get addressed. And so, but yeah, I mean, it, the the victim, James, did a, a more in-depth interview with Rod Dreher, who we usually make fun of, but will be nice today. Um, <laughs> the... Uh, the interview was just shocking how much he just didn't think anyone would believe him. And so, I mean, just know that there are people who will believe you, of course, if you're being honest. And if you're if you're not being honest, that will come out, right? Um, right. So, but the, you know, you don't have to suffer in silence anymore. You can get help for yourself, and you can also, you know, help protect other victims. So I would just encourage you, if you, if you are holding something like this, come forward. I mean, especially now, because people are ready to deal with it. I, I you know, I've made the comment that, it seems like the media will know about these things because obviously people talk in these circles and they know that, you know, McCarrick's secret nickname was Blanche and all this stuff. Um, but they, you know, they didn't report it. And there's stories of the, the failing New York Times pulling stories about this stuff. And then they wait until, you know, we're about to have a big vote on abortion or we're about to talk about whatever. And, well, the culture wars are pretty much over. We lost. There's no, you know, let's deal with this stuff now, right? Let's right. let's deal with it now. There's no time like the present People are ready to deal with it. We've got well-positioned people who aren't dependent on these bishops for their livelihood. Um, we're, we're we're in formation to address this. So I, I don't know if I have anything else to say on it. If you have anything, you can. And we can move on to our, our topic. But I just I felt like it, we needed to address this, obviously. Yeah, I mean, it, I think you pretty much said it. I, I don't know. I don't want to belabor the point. It can It can be pretty intense and... Uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll we'll talk about it in the weeks and months ahead. But yeah, that's a uh, that's a good segue into our topic today. Uh, you want to just go straight into it, Zach? You ready? Let's do it. Should Hit we do? Should we do a commercial first? Oh yes, we'll be back with a word from our sponsor. All right. Oh, thanks for that word, sponsor. That was a great. Go visit that sponsor, please. Give but if you if you're listening and you want to sponsor us and you have a product that's worthwhile, I mean, let us know. Send us your money and we'll let you know what we'll do with it. Yes, we want to be the Kylie Jenner's of podcasting. Yes, help us Zach, reach a billion dollars. Yeah, today's topic 
is the fall of man, more specifically the sins of Eve and the sins of Adam. Okay. Yes, it's great. And this is one of the things when I learned about it that really just like uh, blew my mind, as the kids say. It, as we'll see, it, it basically describes sin perfectly, as you could imagine. Yes. So when we're talking about the fall of man, just to kind of set the scene, if you go to the front of your Bible, right, um, past the table of contents, you'll reach the first book of Genesis, which will describe the creation of the world and um, the creation of the first man and the first woman um, who, you know, lived without sin and then sinned. Right. Everything they, falls. That gets passed on forever and ever, and then we require a savior. So just to set the stage, right? We'll go obviously, but I just wanted to make sure we knew what we were talking about with the fall. Basically, right. the, so I think the breaking between man and God. Right. So they they had to have lived without sin for not a very long time. I think is what people say. Like it, it's not like they were living without sin for um, years and years, right? But we'll get right. we'll we'll get to why that that is. So we all know the story about the serpent and the eating of the fruit, which has been turned into an apple, which actually wasn't an apple. It was just referred to as a fruit. But so the Yeah, so there's the tree of knowledge of good and evil um, right. that they're not supposed to eat from. Um, okay. Eve is out, I guess, picking fruit, and the serpent sure. sleuths up and says, hey, eat this fruit. Right. Okay, so... As we go into it, the the saying is that Eve sinned first and Adam sinned worse. Okay? Eve so sinned that, first, Adam sinned worse. Okay. Yeah, so that's going to set us up. The first of the five, there's five sins of Eve. Okay? The first okay. sin is curiosity. Okay? And that is the seeking of inordinate knowledge. Okay. So, so, so sorry? So curiosity, we understand, is a sin when it's inordinate knowledge. So we maybe use the word wide a little bit broadly in English, where we, we could be talking about, you know, wanting to learn more in an ordinate, healthy way, but then there's sort of the understanding that curiosity or curiositas is, sure. <laughs> um, if it's immoderate, could be a sin. Right, okay, and do you or know when Eve committed the sin of curiosity do you know what moment no some people would say that it's about the fruit the sin of curiosity happened when eve said oh that snake is talking to me i know snakes cannot talk but i'm going to engage it anyway boom curiosity okay so she decides to hear out you know, basically the devil. Yes. Well, See but remember, Adam and Eve know how the animals, they know the animals. And they know that snakes, or in this case, the serpents, cannot talk. Oh, but yeah. this serpent talked, and it got Eve's ear. Curiosity. Okay? Okay. The second sin, Zach, is intemperance. Oh. Okay, the intemperance. Intemperance, desiring inordinate goods. So basically, it's seeing something as it isn't. Okay, that's that would be when Eve saw that the tree was good for food. Okay. Okay, when it wasn't. She saw the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, and desirable for gaining wisdom. Okay. Right. So, so the, she's been curious and intemperate. Right. So the good for food is a tricky one because it's is a food and it is something that would be good for food, right? It's not poison, but it uh, you know, it's it's poison later on, obviously in a different way. But it's good for food, but it's not good because God said it was not good. So that's the sticky wicket, Zach. If you're looking for a sticky, sticky wicket, wicket, you found yourself one. 
So, yeah, desiring inordinate goods. So that would be okay. number two. Number three is elation or indignation. Okay? Elation is delight in inordinate goods, and indignation is basically why are you hiding this from me? Why am I not allowed this? Why do you, why are you not giving this to me? You're being indignant, okay? So okay. So the delight in the inordinate goods is when it catches her eye, basically. When it's pleasing to the eye. That's the part. The pleasing to the eye part is she's taking actual delight in this thing that she should not be taking delight in. Okay. And then there also comes with it as we'll see when we talk about this in our own lives, like I said, the indignation, there's always part of us that harbors this sin as something we should be able to do, right? It's like something that should be good for us. We want to do it. Why are you telling me I can't do it? Let me do it. Okay. So that's number three. So to recap, curiosity, seeking inordinate knowledge, intemperance, desiring inordinate goods, elation slash indignation, delight in inordinate goods. Number four is pride, Zach. Pride is seeking something greater than your state. Or in the story, this is when the serpent says you will be like God's. Okay, they want she wants to eat it because she wants to know God and in turn she will become like God. That is pride. That is something that she is not able to achieve, but she feels like she can and she should. So pride. Do you do you understand that, Zach? Are you a prideful person? I I've been accused of it before, but right. um, they're all know, lies. It just depends. They're all <laughs> lies and besmirchments on your upstanding character. Now you know how they the saying "pride comes before the fall," Zach. Yes. Hey, well, what do you know? This pride also comes before the fall. In fact, I venture to say that is where the saying comes from. I don't I don't have this, you know, handwritten by the first person to ever use that saying, saying that this is where it comes from, but I'm willing to make a reasonable wager that that's where it comes from. So the fifth sin, disobedience. Now this is where the actual fall happens, okay? At any point in 1 through 4, Eve could have corrected course, kicked the serpent, ditched the fruit and gone back to living the perfect life that her and Adam have had. Okay? Disobedience disobedience is the moment the sin occurs. And this is, yeah, this is where she took of the fruit and ate it. So that is the actual disobedient act. This is is where it all comes crashing down. At any point... At any point, like I said, she could have just done away with it, come back, been all good. Sorry, serpent. Not today. But she took of the fruit, and then she ate it. So you should ask yourself, you know, okay, right now in my life, if I were to kick the serpent and ditch the fruit, would I be saving myself a lot of future uh, turmoil, right? Well, yeah, you're not only that, you're saving yourself sin. You're saving yourself uh, getting nails hammered into your soul, which is a piece of wood. And then every time we go to confession, we get the nails ripped out, but the holes are still there. Right. So you don't you don't Yikes. want you don't want your your uh, piece of wood all scarred up with holes. So you don't want to be disobedient. You don't really want to commit any of the other four. But you especially don't want to do the disobedience. Right. Okay. So those are the five sins of Eve. Those are the five sins of Eve. Curiosity, intemperance, um, elation slash indignation, 
pride and then finally disobedience. Right. So before cool. we move on to Adam, here's what each of those sins corrupted. Okay. So okay. the curiosity created a disorder. It corrupted the entire, it corrupted the lower faculties, basically. The senses, the imagination, the memory, the, con- the uh, what's the one? Cognitive, cognitive, uh, the power, Zach. What's the, yeah, what, okay. The cogitative power. Cogitative power. power. That's the word I was looking for. Yes. So the curiosity is what created the disorder. It threw everything out of whack. She had this perfectly inlined lower faculties. It whacked them out, Zach. Out of whack. Intemperance, that corrupted the concupiscible appetites. Now, those are the appetites that deal with the flesh. That's what the intemperance is the thing that knocked out. It created concupiscence. And knocked out the appetites, the concupiscible appetites. Elation corrupted the irascible appetites, which deal with the arduous. Okay, those are the those are the actual like task, the things when we we have to work, but if we don't want to work, we want to sit and play video games, and that's basically feeding our irascible appetites. That created weakness right. and suffering. Those were the marks that were left. Pride corrupted the intellect, so now we're getting into the higher faculties. It dimmed our intellect and created a darkness over what we can see. So pride, if we're seeing something straight and we're seeing something for what it is, pride dims it, creates a darkness, so we no longer see the thing for what it is. It darkens our intellect. Disobedience corrupted the will, and it creates malice. That's the wound that disobedience creates. So basically, malice. Yeah, we're or, then we're now ordered toward a false good. So that's a. It, I mean, it seems kind of dark, but it is nice to know all this stuff. Yeah, Curi- it's important to know the fall. Right, I mean, we have we need to know what what we're being saved from. Right, so just to recap, curiosity corrupted the senses and created disorder. Intemperance corrupted the concupiscible appetites, which creates concupiscence. Elation corrupts the irascible appetites, which creates weakness. Pride corrupts the intellect and leaves a darkness. Disobedience corrupts the will and leaves malice. Okay? So basically, you can see how it creates a waterfall effect in your life before you do anything stupid you're curious the moment curiosity just kicks in the door it it, it's not like a creep in through once you hit curiosity like it's a full-on kicking down the door right and then you then you want to see something maybe see something a little more than you should or you're desiring something you shouldn't then you take slight delight in that thing and then you seek something again that's not of your state and then the disobedience just hammers it home so like that's what when i first was learned about this i seeing that waterfall really hit me in the gut i even shouted out to the person who was telling us about this oh yeah i see this happens this is how it happens in my life or something profound like that and the person was like you are correct uh, you're the smartest person here. Thank you for showing up, and I hope to see you again. And I was like, oh, you very well will see me again. That's beyond the point. Um, yeah. <laughs> but It's like me every time I eat string cheese. Okay, continue. Oh, I just love it. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> all right. So the knowing all that is how well we can combat it in other ways through prayer obviously and um spiritual direction but knowing all this stuff helps give us a formula of how we can combat it we can see these things as they are shaping up and as they're taking place okay right so you said earlier you told me that eve sinned first and adam sinned worse adam sinned worse zach every so my understanding is what comes next is that eve offers the fruit to Adam, and it gives him cooties. 
yes, that's that's the exact. Um, I mean, I'm I'm reading between the lines, right? Well, that's but I kind of see it here. That's really the point of this podcast is to talk about cooties, Zach. We we like to keep women at arm's length at all times because of the. High cootie factor, the CF. Well, right, and I mean, there was no cure. There had not been invented yet the 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 cootie shot. Right, you know, circle, circle, dot, dot. <laughs> it took that took uh, many hundreds of years, but right. we finally got right. it after the flood. Right. So, <laughs> so Adam did all five of the sins that Eve did. Okay, plus three more. He was wow. he was feeling so good that he was like these five are not enough for me. Let's go for three more. And he did them. Now, so he let me guess, after those five he did man splaining and then he did yes. man spreading. Yes. Um, and then just being a man, Zach. That's the final set. That's right, that's right, that's right. That's right. Okay, here's, here's JK, the JK, other one. Continue, continue. This is really going off the rails, just how I like it. Number six, dereliction of duty. So he had a duty Ooh. to watch over Eve and to keep her out of harm's way. And he did not. Dereliction of duty. Pretty So simple. Adam just messed up duty. Yes. Number seven, presumption. He presumed that everything will be okay. Jesus is my homeboy. He was wearing a Jesus is my homeboy t-shirt. He said, don't worry, there will be a savior. All of this will be taken care of. God's on, God's on my squad. He'll look past this. Presumption, everything okay, yeah. will be okay. One of the... One of the overarching themes of our time period is, is well, both of these dereliction of duty. I mean, what were we just talking about with these, you know, scary bishops, and then, um, uh, and then of course people in the political order and in the business world and, right. and in families dereliction of duty, but then presumption. Yeah, I mean, you see it like you said in those T-shirts. You know, I've got God on my squad and all this stuff. You know, that, okay, so clearly we haven't. We haven't stopped doing these sins of Adam. So then the the five that we already talked about, you said plus dereliction of duty and then presumption. And so presumption. one more. Presumption is huge because you just see it all in Christianity with people who think they're just going to go to heaven like without even really trying or doing anything. Like, right. You, they can do whatever they want. It's presumptions huge. Number eight. Oh, yeah. Number eight is human respect. I said that kind of weird, so I'm going to say it again. Human respect. He was more worried about what Eve thought than what God thought. In that moment, he didn't want to let his wife down, even though he knew that it would be causing chaos and causing sin. He was more worried about what she thought than what God thought. Oh, wow. You have to wonder, think about how often am I guilty of that? You I know? mean, it pretty much all the time, right? Not right, and the, I can see how presumption time, is sort of a precursor for that because, um, you know, if you think everything's going to be okay no matter what, then it's kind of easy to be like, all right, you know, tomorrow I'll think about God, but today, I mean, you know, these people are here, and my, you know, with Adam, of course, it's I guess it's 100% of everybody else on the planet with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but for uh, any of us, it's like, oh well, my boss is here, or so and so's here, or whatever. You know, God, I'm sorry, I- I'm, you're gonna have to take a back seat because you know I don't want these people to, you know, see this. I'll get reassigned and be forced to be the patron of the sovereign military order of Malta. Um, so, yeah, I don't want that to happen. So I'll just, you know, I'll just yeah. go with human respect. I'll <laughs> I'll do what I can to save face, and and that'll be that. Right. Well, all it takes is one, Zach. All it takes is one person for you to have human respect for, right? And we're not talking about respecting everyone's dignity. Like every, like it's a, it's different. It's exactly what we said. Just carry. Right, we're not talking about charity that's rightfully ordered. It's, right. it's putting the concerns of others or our fear of what they might think of us ahead of God. Right. It. Uh, 
yeah so that's what that is so when don't be scared off by the idea it's not saying you shouldn't respect humans obviously you should right okay the, the so the the other question that comes with all of this is why did this have to happen right why did why if god created adam and eve created essentially utopia right the garden of eden mm-hmm. why why did any Paradise, of this have yeah. to happen why did there have to be a tree of good and evil why or uh why did there have to be this temptation have you ever thought about that zach well to sell theology books of course yes of no course. i don't know i mean i i i, I think i've when I think about it, I guess I think in context of Easter, and they say, you know, oh, happy fault of Adam. But I, why Why did it have to happen? So, they're the only people there, right? They've been created. Right. They were in an original state of justice pre-fall, right? Mm-hmm. But they had to go one step greater they were called to a state of glory they had to be tempted in order to shun the temptation for the per- for the sake and the purpose of god to reach the state of glory it was basically them practicing religion okay okay there was no they had no religion as we know it today then but they still had to sacrifice something in order to reach a higher state so that's basically what they had to do they had to follow this command and they had to deny themselves sacrifice something of themselves in order to reach a state of glory does that make sense okay so you, uh, I think so. I mean, it basically, the it, it allowed it allowed for the redemption and eventual glorification. Well, yeah, but so Eve was allowed to be tempted, so she would sacrifice her will to God in justice. Okay, okay, that's what I mean. It 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 the the redemption comes after the fall, but pre-fall, they had to do something basically to give God his due to as, as much as any man can give God his due. Right. So just right. justice is giving someone their due. Religion is giving God his due. Uh, we can never fully repay God. Right. But we can do what we can do. So this is what, what Eve could have done. Right. Is that, was that too muddled? Was that, I, I don't know if I was. No, I think that okay. makes sense. Okay, good. That's uh Yeah, that's it, Zach. Those are the five sins of Eve and the five plus three sins of Adam and why they had to do it. It's funny if you think about the fact that they were naked, you know. <laughs> okay. It's like the uh the nightmare where you're standing in front of your entire school. Yeah, like the nightmare where you commit the first eight sins. Oh yes, um, we've we've naked. All... We've all had that vicious nightmare. Yeah, yep. Where you you become the first uh, first recorded case of the sin of curiositas. <laughs> oh, I don't know why that word is making me laugh. It's a it's a great word. But yeah, so that's that. Shall we have a saint of the week? Yes. Um, also, if if this is a uh... You know, if the story about the fall and these sins is um, got you a bit shook, uh, if you were to continue reading in the Bible in part two, um, the the situation gets resolved and a glorious solution is presented. Uh, more on that later. Yeah, were you just were you just advertising for the Bible? Were you doing a pitch? Are you pitching the Bible to the podcast? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing a cliffhanger. Okay. I'm doing a cliffhanger. Yeah. Or just give us a Saint of the Week now, okay? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> oh, man. Saint Anne, Zach. She's this week's Saint, Saint of Anne. the Week. July 26th is her feast. She was the mother of the Blessed Virgin Mary. 
I don't know if you knew this. You heard about this? You seen this? You know this thing? So she she was Joseph's mother-in-law? Yes, she was, but I, I'm not sure she fit She was the, Jesus's grandmother? That is a correct that is a correct description of it. She was Joachim's wife? That is also correct. She Now, when I looked her she up... She was the daughter of Mary's grandmother? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, when I looked her up, she's the patron saint of Canada, Detroit. <laughs> womp, womp. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's, yeah, giving her the patronage of Canada is no way to treat Jesus' grandmother. Yeah. Yeah, like, that's such a troll. <laughs> Carpenters, child care providers, and then also, it says she's the patron nice. saint of Brittany. Now, at first, I thought... It's amazing that Britney Spears has her own patron saint. Right. Like, we should all, this is something to be celebrated in and of itself. But Britney is a cultural region in the northwest of France, Zach. So, um, Britney Spears, nor the name Britney in general, is patronaged by St. Anne. It's a northwest part of France. So, yeah. Yes, northwest part of France. Wonderful. Well, St. Anne, pray for us. Um, I, I love that she has her own feast day and that we get to celebrate her each year. Right. But yeah, so that's that. This was a, I don't know, this seemed like an intense episode, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, no, it's fun. I, I think it's good to talk about these things and to understand the history of the world and, um, you know, the fall of man. It also just helps to contextualize the world around you. I mean, you know, the fall explains really everything. I mean, it's the basis for human psychology. It's a basis for our sin and our tendency towards sin. And it also provides the context for our need to have a savior. And so, you know, a lot of this was new for me. So I definitely was kind of jotting down some notes as you were talking. Um, And I just think, yeah, it's, it's very important to know and reflect and meditate on and, um, tweet tweet about it to us and we you know we'll keep the conversation going yes because if it's if there's one thing we love to talk about it's the fall of mankind yes and the curiositas that entailed there it is all right zach well have yourself a good rest of the week and all you out there do the same thanks for listening and we'll talk to you soon yep see you later mr baker hey thanks for being so formal Of course, of course. (laughs) See ya.